I used to think my job was to make our student athletes better as players, as people, you know, whatever the case may be, that was my job to make them better. And the reality is my job is to facilitate them getting better, whether or not they get better and grow and improve is up to them. And, you know, it's just like the cliche, you can lead them to the ladder, but you can't push them up the rung. You're listening to the Tap into College Golf podcast, where we provide an inside look at the world of college golf. College recruiting consultant Brandy Jackson shares her knowledge of college recruiting, plus interviews with some of the most accomplished coaches and players in college golf. If you are ready to tap into the best tips, stories, and insight, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Brandy Jackson. Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. Um, as always, and always excited to have coaches join me on these, um, these podcast episodes and give some insight to you all as players and parents and coaches and instructors and just everybody out there who might be listening. Um, got a great guest this week. Um, somebody that I followed and kept up with and, and definitely have a ton of respect for and, and just admire for her career as a coach and in what she's done and excited to uh, pick her brain a little bit and chat and, and get some insight as um, she is the Rollins College coach down there in Florida. And so I'm excited to have Coach Julie Garner on here with me. Welcome to uh, Tap Into College Golf. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, let's just kind of dive in and, and get started and let you talk a little bit about you getting into college golf. That's what I want every coach just to kind of give a little bit of insight from what got you into coaching and, and just kind of what led you into that, um, you know, coming out of um, playing college golf. I know you started at Auburn and then I think they didn't, they didn't have a team or, or quit, with, you know, let the, let the team go and you ended up over at Alabama and then got into coaching. So tell me a little bit about that story. Yeah, so um, my uh, father had gone to Auburn, my brother went to Auburn, and there was no doubt I was going to Auburn. I didn't look anywhere else. You know, that was where I wanted to go. And I played multiple sports in high school like a lot of people did and just kind of settled on golf when um, I'd sprained my ankle in volleyball two or three times within the span of a couple of months and thought, well, this is not this is not a very viable business model. And uh, so decided to kind of focus a little bit more on golf and, and you know, walked on to the team at Auburn and, you know, really enjoyed my freshman experience there. Um, was tough to break into the top five. I wasn't a recruited player. And so, you know, kind of found it a tough go to try and break into that top five, but eventually played, I think, most of the events in the spring and was looking forward to coming back. And uh, my coach called in the middle of the summer, I think it was early July, and said, he said, uh, I thought he was calling because we talked about a scholarship because I played my way into the top five. And he said, well, you know, we'd like to kind of help you out with that. And I'm like, great. So first first or second week of July, he, he calls me and I thought, okay, we're going to talk about that. And he said, hey, um, we just hired a new football coach and he's also the athletic director. And the, one of the first things he did was cut wrestling and women's golf. So, and I was like, all right. So I'm <laughs> You know, so I'm, of course now it's the middle of the summer. I mean, what are you getting? You know, there's no transfer portal. There's no, there's no internet. You know, in 1981, and uh, so I just kind of I I had a swing coach. His name was Dave Reagan. He he actually played. He was um on the uh, Ryder Cup team for the U.S. A very good player. Um, he played at the University of Florida for Conrad Railing, and Conrad had sent had since then moved to the University of Alabama. And he said, well, let me call Conrad and 
you know, see what he thinks or whatever. And he called him and he said, all right, we'll just have her come down here and I'll take a look and we'll chat about it. So I think it was the next day I got in the car and drove down to Tuscaloosa from my hometown of Chattanooga and um, went and, and I think I hit balls at the range in front of him and, and that, you know, cause obviously the rules are a lot different now than yes. they were back yeah. then. And we sat down in his office and he, his walls were covered in all American plaques, Jerry Pate and, you know, just all these all American plaques everywhere. And he was, he was, you know, kind of a, an older, you know, kind of a crusty, a crusty guy. And he said, he said, well, the best I can do for you is tuition and room. And I was like, okay. I mean, I just wanted a spot on the team. So yeah. I was thrilled, you know, to be able to, to, you know, earn a scholarship and help my parents pay for my college education. So, so that was great. So that was how I ended up at Alabama and played my next three years there. And yeah. And then I ended up marrying a guy that was on the men's team and he wanted to play professionally. So we relocated here to Orlando and I was probably, I think two, two credits short of graduation and had worked it out that they were basic classes. I think I took intro to sociology and some other intro class at a community college here to get my degree from Alabama. And, um, we were reading the newspaper. They actually printed newspapers back then. There was no internet to pick up your to pick up your news. And uh, there was a column in the sports page that said, "Hey, you know, Rollins College is looking for a men's coach and a women's coach in golf. You know, if you're interested, here's the phone number to call." And so, you know, and I was sitting there, and my husband said, "Well, you should, you should do it." And I was like, "Well, I don't even have my degree." And they said, "He said, well, just talk to him." So I went over there, you know, called them and then set up time to come speak to the AD and, um, you know, told them obviously up front, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a couple of credits short, just finishing up and I'll, but I'll be done in December. And, uh, you know, they said, all right. So they called me back for a second interview. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You know, so they and ended up, they offered me the job and then it come to find out the job was a part-time nine month position that paid $5,400 a year. Okay. And even in 1984, that's not a lot of money. Yeah, so, yeah. you yeah, know, and there's hours no such, and dollars don't match up no matter what time of no, what period no, time. no, exactly. But um, but you know what? I mean, it was a job. It was a job in in golf. And honestly, I didn't. I mean, if you asked anybody on the team, anybody that knew me, there was no there was no correlation between me and being a college coach at all. I, I mean. But it was a job and, you know, I was going to finish up and that'd be great. And so that was, yeah, that was how I ended up here in 1984 at the age of 21. So, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, it's fun. Like I said, that's one thing I love hearing about, you know, everybody, all the coaches and how they got into coaching and the ones that it kind of fell into their lap, ones who did pursue it, ones who knew kind of early on it's what they wanted to do. It's been very interesting insight to hear, you know, some of the ones who went on and played professionally and who didn't and, and who came from a teaching background. So um, mm-hmm. interesting that it, yeah, like I said, uh, had been me coming out of college. If I wasn't planning on playing, I wouldn't have known anything about being a college coach and probably would be the least person to take on a position like that. But it's, it's funny how that does and then how much that kind of shapes and molds who you are in a lot right. of at that point, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, it was just seemed to be something to do. And, and I mean, I, you know, part of it is when you're 21 years old and you're coaching 21 year olds, you know, I, I it, it was, it was, a, I mean, <laughs> I got off to I'm a rough sure, start, yeah. let's just say that. And, you know, but um, for example, I just, 
I just posted on social media yesterday that I have two former players who played a practice round together for the senior women's British amateur, the senior women's British amateur. So I'm like, you know, I've been doing this a long time. So, and, uh, but it's, it's really great to see, you know, so many of the players that played, you know, back in that, back in that time period and stuff, how much they just still love the game. I mean, you know, that I, I just think that's one thing as a coach that I think is incumbent upon us is I don't ever want people to leave here hating golf. You know, I think, you know, if we've made it that arduous for somebody, and, and obviously some of, you know, there are all, most of the things that happen to a student athlete during their tenure are decisions and choices that they've made. But yeah. I do think that, you know, we as coaches really, I think, really have to work hard to, to make this process for them you know it really should be the best four years of their life it doesn't mean it's always going to be fun you know sunshine and roses sometimes it's going to be hard work and you know there'll be blood sweat and tears and everything but there'll be an awful lot of joy in the pursuit as well so um yes. but anyway so it was really cool to see the two of them you know they sent me a picture from from the course in scotland where they're playing and i just thought you know that's really that's really one of the best parts about coaching i think yeah, but uh, like you said, just trying to keep them in the game. I think sometimes we lose that that side of it because it gets so wrapped up in the scholarships and and, mm-hmm. and in some cases the championships and, and trying to be the best team and everything that sometimes it's it's hard to to find that balance and, and lose sight of the game itself and, and trying to keep, you know, especially on the women's side of things, trying to just keep them in the game and keep them loving the actual game and it not becoming so much of a grind and so stressful that – it just takes the right. fun out of it and sucks the joy out of right. it. Right. Yeah. And, that's cool. you know, and I understand that some of them, you know, that, that it's enough work and enough stress that maybe they need, a, you know, an extended break from it. But even someone like Annie Delman, who just played in the mid-amateur, you know, and she had – she played for fun but didn't really play any competition until just recently. But it's just great to see her back in the – you know, the game needs people – like that, you know, and, and like you said, especially women. I mean, I, I think this is a great growth opportunity for the game and the business. And, you know, so it's, yeah, it's great to see them, you know, the ones who love it. And that doesn't mean they have to play in the mid-amateur or the U.S. Open or something like that or the British. You know, even the even my former players that are playing in their club championships and, you know, or they're playing in the, in the mother-daughter or, you know, parent-child. I, to me, that's just as great. You know, it really is. It's just as great because now – they're getting their kids involved in the game, which is great exactly. too. Yes, exactly. Big, big thing for it. Trying to continue that, that trend of everything. Such a, such a big thing right now. We're trying to grow the game and all the, you know, the obstacles and the hurdles that we're running into with technology yeah. and cost and golf course access and all those kinds of things. So. Right. Cool. Well, yeah. obviously, just like you said, you were young coming in. Um, so I'm sure you had both kind of sides of the, the equation. So we can kind of hit two questions, I guess, with one of, I'm sure you had lots of hurdles and obstacles at that point being, you know, being that age. And I'm you know, sure, you know, 24 or 24 years now that you are starting your 24th, 24th season. Um, uh. I'm sure you've learned a lot since then that you wish you would have known. Um, obviously we all feel that way, but what were some of the hurdle hurdles and obstacles you had? And, you know, some of the things that obviously, you know, had to learn and go through it, go through it all, but that might would have helped if you had known or had somebody tell you back, you know, when you first got started. Well, I think one of the biggest things, and I, I relearned this a lot, unfortunately, which is not a good sign. I mean, that you have to relearn the same lesson over and over, but you really do was to make 
our student athletes better as players, as people, you know, whatever the case may be. That was my job to make them better. And the reality is my job is to facilitate them getting better. Whether or not they get better and grow and improve is up to them. And, you know, it's just like the cliche, you can lead them to the ladder, but you can't push them up the rungs. And I think, especially when I was young and, you know, I just, I, I didn't know what I didn't know at age 21 or 23 or whatever, that I really did, you know, feel like, look, I I understand how this works. I've been a walk on, I've been a scholarship player. I've been a scholarship player and scholarship was cut. I understand, you know, I, I, I know everything just, you know, just ask me. And, uh, you know, so I think that that, that was a, a big thing is everyone, and, and I mean, I learned this when I went to the Vision 54 coaching, um, I, I went out there to Arizona for three days and, Love Vision. you know, wish I'd, no, they're, fa- they're fantastic. And, you know, I really feel like I'd learn more from them than even our, our team when they've worked with us, because, you know, one of the things is like we were just talking about, I think happy player, happy players play better golf. And I also think that you really have to meet people where they are. I mean, every human being is different and everybody learns differently. And I just don't think I was old, old enough or mature enough to understand that when I was, you know, in my early twenties and I understand it now better. I mean, I still, you know, I still do have a, have a tendency to, impose my wisdom on people even if they don't want to hear it. I understand that. (laughs) But I mean, I think to a point, that's part of being a coach. You know, you look for these teachable moments and you hope that something gets through. But, um, but I think that, um, yeah, that, I mean, I, I just, I just think I, I thought I could just make people better. And, and, you know, I think sometimes you, all you're going to do is make them miserable or make them frustrated or make yourself frustrated and so I think that's probably one of the biggest things. And I think the other thing is it's really hard to find student athletes who want it as much as I do, yeah. whose desire is the same level as mine is. And, you know, and they might say it is, and they might think it is, but it's really not. I mean, you know, I've given the, you know, the better part of my career, you know, my, my time, my professional career to the game and to this business and, and to, you know, trying to help student athletes grow and improve and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, so I'm fully, I'm all in, I'm fully invested and I will do whatever I need to do to help them to get better. And, you know, I mean, there are, there are a lot of sacrifices that you have to make along the way to do that, but it's just hard because, you know, they have a lot of demands on their time and, and you know what, they're, they're college kids. I mean, they you know, they don't eat, sleep, drink, breathe this yes. like I do. And, you know, so, and that's okay. I mean, you know, I understand. I mean, like I said, we want this to be the four best years of their life. So, you know, but um, I think I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm pro- my patience is probably, in some ways I have less patience now, in some ways I have way more. So, I can see you know, that. I think, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it just, I mean, as you get older, it's just harder to have a whole lot of patience. But yes. at the same but time, you, it, as you, understand you have the experience. More. Right, exactly. You have the experience to know, look, I, you know, I can't make this kid, I can't, I can't make this kid better. I can help her, you know, I, you know, I can kind of lead her in the right direction, but she's got to, you know, she's really got to do the work. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get totally can get what you're saying. Yeah. Patience. Um, it's funny watching my dad try to work with my nephew, teaching him golf. And I was, he even asked, he's like, was I that impatient with you? You know, back then he, his patience has definitely grown thinner as he's gotten older uh-huh. I think 
that. But it's like you said, at the same time, there's the flip side of becoming more patient just because you've been through that process with so many people and you start to, to just understand that, like you said, not everybody's going to want it as much as you do. And you can't, I, I deal with it with the players and the consulting side of things and where you just can't make the players, you know, even as 16, 17 year olds in high school, it's so hard to make them want something or make them, you know, right. more. It's just, you know, it's not something that over time they might not necessarily pick up, but even at that age, you kind of start realizing that a lot of the kids are, are, are have it ingrained in them and they either love it or they don't, or they want it or they don't. Um, right. Like I said, all you do is facilitate it and, and hope that you can continue to, you know, to kind of lead them that direction, but you can't just, you can't force them. You can't change that even at that age, it seems like. Right. And, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, we try to do is to give our former players the opportunity to, to educate our current players, you know, and the fact that, because it's amazing, I'm sure, you know, all these coaches are in the same boat that I am. It's amazing how many letters, texts, emails, phone calls you get about, wow, coach, you were right. You know, I, yeah. I mean, about whatever. And it's not about saying, well, I told you so. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. you know, but, but you, you wish that they, that the light had flipped on a little bit earlier and they hadn't not wasted their time, but they had m- misappropriated some of their time, you know, uh, and their yes. talent and, and, yeah. but, you know, could have possibly done more, you know, and, but I mean, you know, they also, they made the choice to, you know, I don't know, you know, be, be, you know, really active on campus or, you know, to go to more, friend, you know, to hang out more yeah. with friends or go to the, whatever. I mean, you know, every yeah. choice has consequences. And, uh, but it's amazing how many of them would, would they go, man, I would, I would kill to, to have to go out and practice for two hours today. Yeah. You know, and, and, but that's the thing. It's like right now it's hot and humid here in Florida. And, um, you know, I'd send the kids out and, and you know, or they're going to play now and they're like, oh my God, it's so hot. I'm like, you know, you're going to be sitting behind a desk in an air conditioned office yep. soon enough. So, That's all you know, you, you might want to embrace this while you can. Yes. You know, that's what the former players home. And the neat thing is we're getting ready to go on our first trip of the fall and, and three of our recent um, graduates are going to come and hang out for a couple of days and watch and um, they're part of the our national championship team in 2016. So I'm hoping that the, their message to our current team will resonate about, you know, embrace this and and work hard and enjoy it because it's over in a second. So yes, yeah, I can remember us. I I will only went four years, but my best friend in college went a fifth year, and you know, I don't think I was maybe quite as ready to leave, but I can just remember her. She was just so ready to leave, especially after five years and just ready to yeah. move on. And, and now we joke, we're like, Oh, we had it so easy, you know, pretty much right. paid for. And, you know, especially cause after playing on tour and, and traveling and paying for things, you're like, all we yeah. literally had to do was go to class and study enough, you know, to keep our GPAs up and practice. And it really wasn't that hard, but we sure, no. we sure made it so much harder than it had to be. I feel like, and, and yet yeah, you don't appreciate it as much until you do get into the quote real world and realize you right. know, how much you can't not just have it made. I mean, and I tell the players it's tough. I know it's a grind and it's, you feel like you're being pulled in a bunch of different directions and you've got to be at this meeting and you've got to do this and that. Yeah. You know, I don't, 
I don't say that it was easy by any means, even if I could go back and do it. No. But you definitely have a different perspective of, of how you've right. done it and, and how it wasn't as bad and as, as, you know, as stressful and everything as you thought it was. As you right. thought it was well, time. you know, it, it's funny. It reminds me of Conrad. Like I said, he was kind of a curmudgeonly guy. And, you know, and, and I remember him saying, all you got to do, all you girls got to do is go to school and play golf. That's it. And I'm like, no, it's so much more complicated than that. But, you know, the reality is it isn't. So, you know, and when you have to start making your own car payments and your own insurance and paying the light bill and, you know, making sure you go to the terrible meeting that you don't want to attend. I mean, you know, and I think that's the other part that that I appreciate in my in my circuitous route that I've taken in my career, because I worked, you know, I had the pleasure and the honor of working with Nike golf and for Disney, you know, in my stints in between coaching here. And it really does give you a perspective of what the real, the real world, not the insular world of higher education, but what the real world is like. And, you know, I, I mean, for everybody that thinks that, you know, coaches are underpaid and overworked and all that, I'm going to tell you something. I mean, the real world is kind of tough. So And, um, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not grateful for the support, you know, that I've gotten here um, at Rollins. I mean, like I said, I mean, I've been here three different times. I've never coached anywhere else. And, um, you know, part of that is because I've, you know, my and not to say that working at Nike and Disney weren't fantastic because it, it really was great. But, you know, it really made me appreciate, you know, the opportunity to, imp- to directly impact young people's lives you know, not just make t-shirts or, you know, I mean, and I don't mean to demean what Nike no, do, I, I, but I you know, saying. yeah, I totally understand that. But I just, you know, that's, I mean, I think that's what kept bringing me back. But, well, that plus I don't have the personality for corporate America anyway. So, um, <laughs> which I is probably fairly obvious to almost everybody, but, um, yeah, but I think the other thing is it's just, boy, it's, it's way more meaningful to, like I said, to get these phone calls, texts, emails, visits, you know, from former players, just to kind of see where, you know, where their life success has taken them. And, and everybody's path is different, but you know, everybody, I, you know, the girl, the girls that I still keep in contact with are just, man, it really just melts my heart to see, you know, where they are in their lives and that sort of thing. I, I spent three weeks in Switzerland this summer. Um, you know, the, 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 reason was to go to one of my former players wedding but I got a chance to visit with three other former Swiss players and you know each one kind of took me you know a little bit on a tour of their um, town and village and everything it just it's just fantastic I mean the reach that our program you know our tiny little school has had around the world and and that sort of thing and just the impact that the game has had on these people is just you know it's fantastic it it really is there's nothing better Cool. That's that's very neat. Well, that actually kind of segues into it. Segues into a question that I didn't really give you ahead of time, but it just mm-hmm. and I told you I wouldn't put you on the spot, but um, <laughs> you just you kind of did it to yourself by bringing that up on this one. But right, okay, like, yeah, right. I, you know, I know your team is very a mix of a lot of different international players, and I just had a discussion with a, a parent this past week, so. Uh, give me, give us a little bit of insight on how you're able to kind of create that team culture when you have so many players from so many different places in the world and different backgrounds. Um, I know some coaches tend to recruit in the same areas and, and kind of get in that kind of, um, you know, just 
repetition of some of the same types of players, but how do you take players, you know, um, I, I looked at the roster, but I couldn't tell you all the different places because I know you've got quite a mix mm. of players. How do you bring them together and kind of create a team culture when you have so many different players from different areas? Well, I think that the the mission of Rollins, you know, is, is probably the best place to start. And, you know, I'll, I also think one of the things that I've learned over the years, it's, it's really not about finding, you know, the however many best junior golfers that you can find. It's really more about finding the best fit for Rollins that you can possibly find. Because, again, happy golfers play better golf. And if someone came here but wanted a big football-type school, well, this isn't it, obviously. So, you know, that's not a good fit. There, You know, there's going to be – it just, you know, it might work out, but it might not. So I think that's kind of the first thing is to, to kind of find people – that fit the mission of the college and the the mission of the college is to develop global citizens and responsible leaders who can, you know, who have meaningful lives and productive careers. And, you know, I, our school is so inclusive and diverse and welcoming that I think, you know, almost anybody, you know, anybody from any stretch of the corners of the earth will fit in well here. You know, because I think it's a Winter Park is a small town in a big city, and you know this is just there's an, an enrollment I think of 1,900 or 2,000 kids. So, you know, there are going to be eyes here to watch and protect them and and that sort of thing. Which I think, especially if you're a parent and you're sending your kid, you know, thousands of miles away, you know, you want the reassurance that there's somebody there watching over them and and you know, I've been here long enough and I know enough people that, that, that is, it's probably unsettling to some, they'd like to kind of disappear, you know, from my view for every now and then. But, um, but I think that kind of, you know, that's part of it. But I think more than anything, you know, you try to find kids that just have the same core values that you do and that you're looking for, for your program. I mean, integrity and, you know, I think respect and discipline and that sort of thing. I mean, I, I just, there are a lot of kids that play really good golf, but they, it just wouldn't be a good fit here for whatever reason. And, you know, the good news is I'm, I've been here long enough that I, I have kind of the luxury of spending time, investing time in recruits to find the people that I think would be the best fit. And like I said, there, you could know, I have 12 people on my team right now. You could not get 12 more different personalities if you tried. And they're from everywhere. And, you know, that was the other the other great thing I thought about our new assistant coach's story. I mean, she's from, she's a native of Zambia and, you know, has a um, citizenship in the UK as well. But I mean, she found her way to the U S from Zambia. And I think, you know, somebody that can figure out how to get from there to, you know, to um, West Texas college and then to university of Louisiana Monroe and then to central Michigan. And now here to Rollins, you know, there's a resilience, a grit that, you'd like, I mean, that's another core value that you'd love to have as part of your program. So, um, so I think, I, I think the other thing, I, we just really embrace that whole global citizen idea. And even if you're a kid like Tabby Robinson, for example, who transferred here from Michigan state, um, she's from Dublin, you know, Columbus, Ohio. And we had a, we had another, a, another former player from Columbus, Ohio. And I just think, you know, that, what a great opportunity this is for somebody from the Midwest to just get immersed in how small the world is, you know, being surrounded by kids from India, from South Africa, from England, you know, from, from Korea that, 
you just realize how small this earth really is and how small this game is too. You know, the game makes, makes the globe even smaller as well. So I, I just think that's kind of how it works. And I mean, you just, you want to bring in people that, res- that, uh, that will, you know, have respect for each other and respect for the coaching staff and kind of everything else falls into line after that. It doesn't mean they're all the same. They're, you know, like I said, they couldn't be 12 more different people if you tried. And I think Devonchi and I couldn't be more different if you tried either, but you know, it just, but, you know, if, if everyone has respect for each other and everybody is bought into, you know, the goals that the team has, then, you know, I think you're good to go. So it doesn't work every time, but I will say that our, our, you know, there are a lot of teams where you hear about a lot of drama and stuff and, We've just been relatively drama-free, you know, for a long time, which is makes a coach's right. life a lot easier too. So yeah, yeah, and it's it's something that in doing this more and more, and and in talking to parents, once the players get there, and the ones who love it, and the ones who you know who don't and who struggle, and you know, mm-hmm. obviously, what I do is helping these players try to find the right fit before they get there. And sometimes I think I just feel like throw my hands up and saying, you know what, like just find somewhere and go and make it work because we do all this this research and, and you talk to the coaches and then they get there and they're like, well, coach isn't what she said she was going to be. And the coach is like, well, she, you know, she said she wasn't a party team, you know, so hard to do it and plan it ahead. And and then there's also that balance of you trying to get them in a place that's comfortable, but at the same time you want to, you know, kind of challenge them. Yeah. So it's just so hard that balance of like you said a midwest kid who comes in with you know this very broad international team and are mm-hmm. are you gonna you know end up is it gonna cause drama is it gonna be that mm-hmm. she feels left out or she just doesn't understand you know it's just trying to trying to find that and obviously a lot of times the parents and players come to me wanting wanting that roadmap for it and and it's right. such that balance of uh, you know, not keeping them in their same bubble and just taking them from small high school. So, okay, well, we need to go to a small mm-hmm. college with, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people you've already played with. Let's keep you in this comfort zone because, you know, if we push you out of it, then you might not like it. Um, but then if you push them too far, and just like you said, you want right. a great four years. But, you know, right. again, just trying to find that balance. And it, it's so hard. And, and I'm sure as long as, you know, how many recruits you've seen and what works just helps you be able to figure that out more and more um, to see that ahead of time a little bit and kind of know which ones can fit right. that mold and, and which ones might not, I'm sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and where, you know, where we are, we fight a little bit of that. Oh, you don't want to play division two. You got to play division yeah, one, yeah. you know, and, and I, my whole thing is look, the ball doesn't know what division you're playing. A range ball is a range ball. A titleist is a yes. titleist. You know, and and we play a, a fairly a fairly heavy Division One schedule. You know, because we want you know players that want to compete at the highest level. And you know, I look like Hallie Ledbetter. I mean, obviously David Ledbetter's daughter could probably go anywhere she wanted to go for college. And and you know, she ended up transferring from you know Arkansas, which is arguably one of the top five yes. ten programs in the country, and but came here just you know I, I think it was just a better fit. And I think a lot of people thought to, you know, told her she was making a big mistake, blah, blah, blah. But she, you know, to this day says it was one of the, it was the best decision of her life. And, you know, and because the thing is, I think that's, that's the thing that I also love about where I am and what I do is that I'm here, you know, we're here to help these kids decide what their life path will be and to help them get off to a successful start on that life path regardless of what it is, 
you know, if they want to be an LPGA pro, okay, well then how do, you know, how do how can we help you get there? Or if they want to go to graduate school, if they want to get their PhD, like Fabio Rosenflu did, and, you know, she works for one of the largest, you know, companies in Switzerland. Well, and she's the head of the health vision. Okay, how do you get there? You know, if, if you want to go work in Tiger Woods course design business, like Amy Reynolds does, how do we help you get there? You know, so I, we're not here to tell them what their path is. We're here to help them, you know, start their path when, depending on what their passion, you know, for what they want to do will be. And they might know and they might not, but, you know, that's the great thing about, I think about Rollins and, and about just college in general is embracing the opportunities that you have instead of just instead of just going straight from the golf course to the workout to you know back to the your dorm to say I mean there's there's a lot more out there and uh, that's what I think is cool about you know what what I do is that we have kids that study abroad for a whole semester and come back with just a totally different perspective on life and on what they want to do than when they left so yeah. Um, you know, I, it's just neat to be a part of that. Yes. I, I, and it, it, what you kind of led to, to start with, it was exactly what, you know, you're the, the, I've had back to back D2 coaches on. And, you know, when I kicked off the podcast, it was great to kick it off with, you know, some of the, the bigger name D1 programs, which was nice. I coached Llewellyn on from, um, you know, she'd just gotten there mm-hmm. at Wake Forest. Um, mm-hmm. at, you know, at Auburn, Clemson firm and had some great ones, which is, you know, which is, is great. And for me and what I do, it, you know, it's, it's great to have those relationships with those coaches and everything, but kind of, you know, after I'd done this for you know about six episodes, I'm like, okay, you know, I preach it and, and I, you know, talk about it in my article and, and newsletter going out this week, talk so much about making your decision and not getting caught up in D1 level and how much I've seen right. do that who everybody thinks D1 level is, should be the goal. And that, that, is what right. you, you know, haven't achieved a goal is because you can go to a D1 program and you get so wrapped up in that and just don't realize, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know there's a, again, there's a gray area that there is a level of expectation from an academics perspective or even just mm-hmm. the size of a school. Some kids are just not going to enjoy being at a really small school. Um, so right. I there are preferences within that, but I've had a couple just literally make their decision because it was D1 over D2 and right. realizing that, you know, it doesn't mean it's the right fit. It doesn't mean it's a coach who's got the experience or who's dedicated and, you know, mm-hmm. who's going to help you get better or who's going to create a great team atmosphere and, and, you know, just trying to see past that. And I think you've always been such mm-hmm. a great, I've always used a lot of times used Rollins and used you as an example for, for how that can be different and where there is, mm-hmm. you know, it's maybe not across the board as much from a D2, D3 right. perspective. I think there's some, some chunks of not just the top ranked programs, but I think even, you know, just in knowing a few coaches and, and knowing kind of their goals and their mission at a D2, D3, right. even NAIA school and how mm-hmm. excited and dedicated they are over maybe a lower ranked D1 program where, you know, it's not even necessarily the coach's fault. Sometimes the school's just not backing them and the program's just not funded very well and they're not getting the support and, you know, so they want right. to do things, but you know, there's just so many factors and variables that I know players and parents just don't, don't consider. And then I, again, I know it's just ingrained in so many of them that, you know, it's a, uh, you know, you've reached a milestone when you get to say you play D1, you know, athletic right. and it's so right. not what it's always cracked up to be. And, you know, in no. so many different ways, if it's not the right fit. Right. And, and, you know, and that's the thing, I mean, the, the fit, I keep going back to that, but the fit is what's so important. I mean, 
you know, I, I think the stuff doesn't make you better. The football stadium, the gleaming football stadium, and, you know, 27 pairs of sneakers and golf shoes. And, I mean, none of that's going to make you yeah. better as a player, as a person, any of that, you know. And, and I, I mean, I, but I think it's hard not to be lured as, as a recruit and even as parents to be lured by stuff. Yes. And you don't. I mean, you know, and obviously we have stuff. I mean, we're building a $60 million residential facility. I mean, that's pretty cool. And we're renovating, you know, we've got construction going on all over the place. But, you know, I, I mean, your golf experience here at Rollins is, is a big part of your college experience, but it's just a part of it. It's, it's not all of it. And, you know, a lot of times I spend more time with recruits and parents talking about the rest of our college. I mean, to explain you know, the academic rigors and, and the Socratic method of, of teaching and, you know, the fact that our our, t- our classes are taught by professors, not grad assistants or teaching assistants. And, you know, the, the professors are as invested as I am in, in our program and they're as invested in the students, you know, at the same level. So, you know, and but that's the thing. A kid has to figure out, you know, how does how does how do I feel about this place? And, you know, it's hard. I, I Like I said, it's hard not to fall in love with the stuff. And, yes. you know, there's yeah. all the other, I mean, I get it and, and it's fine. I mean, you know, we're fortunate that we found enough people who did appreciate the fit here and, and have done well. So, you know, it's not for everybody. And that's what I keep saying. This is not for everybody. I mean, it isn't because it's 2000 people and, you know, you're going to be very visible. You're part of the most successful sport at the school and, you know, you're going to be visible. So, I mean, the president and his wife came out and watched our qualifying round a couple of weeks ago. That's sad. Yeah, that's cool. yeah. So I'm like, yeah. wow. All right. It was great. So, that's, you know, I, can, I get a little taste of that myself. Yes. I kind of the, you saw the, um, uh, the list of the you know best places to play golf or whatever. And, and, you know, Furman's yeah. sort of that same perspective of being yeah. one of the more successful, you know, you're not going to be there as this big athletic department and you know it's not Mm -hmm. all about the athletes it's so much more about the school and the environment and all that and Mm -hmm. while I was a big athlete growing up and and Clemson fan and part of me misses having that as my college you know experience it also Mm -hmm. you just got to decide what's for you and just like you said you're you're there as one of the most successful teams you know for that school and you're you know a little bit more of a radar and and you get a little bit more um, attention just because it's such a smaller school and a smaller program and you don't have the big athletic mm-hmm. side, but that if you're in the right sport in that school, sometimes you kind of get a little bit of that taste, I guess, for, for what it's like to have that support and that expectation to, you know, to maintain that, right. you know, uh, that legacy. Right. And, you know, I think that's the other hard part. We had a team meeting the, the other night and, you know, I, I rolled up the blinds in the, in the gym so the girls could see the banners, you know, the national championship banners, because one of the things that I want them to know, I mean, I had a really close relationship with Peggy Kirkbell, who, in my opinion, really laid the groundwork for, you know, the success that this golf program has had, because she really gave it credibility that this was the place to come if you're a high level golf, you know, female golfer and want to play college golf. And, you know, so I think Alice Dye came here because of her and Jane Blaylock and, you know, I, I mean, just Hollis Stacy, and I mean, all the great, you know, uh, Betty Probasco. I mean, we have three former players in the World Golf Hall of Fame and, you know, for this tiny place. And, you know, the one thing that I try to tell the girls is, look, this isn't just about you. I mean, if you, I'm not going to let you 
we have to we have to keep raising our standards and keeping the bar high because of all the people who came before. You know, I will never disrespect Mrs. Bell's memory by letting this program, you know, letting the the championship culture slide. I mean, we can't allow it. And you know, if people can't handle that, then this won't be a very good this won't be a good yes. fit for them because you know, I, I feel like, I mean, I, I come into work and I told the girls, I said, look, I feel like I need to work hard to earn my paycheck every single day because I know that they could find a coach younger and cheaper than I am in about five seconds. And so, you know, I, I mean, so it's incumbent on me to keep the standards high. And so, and I want the team to feel the same way that, you know, this is, you know, this is, that's another part, a burden, a responsibility of being, you know, at a, at a high level program is, you know, you owe it to the people who came before you to, to do your very best every day in everything you do. So. Yeah, I like that. It, it kind of, that even gives me a little different perspective going back to my days and, and what we talked about, all the things I would have done different and what was a little bit wiser at that point in time. And uh, right you know, just thinking of it that way. Cause you don't, you don't necessarily think of it. And I'm just lucky that for me, at least that now having great relationships with, you know, with Dottie Pepper and, and Beth Daniel and them as mm-hmm. having played that they don't hold too much against some of our shenanigans we did during our time. No, and that, well, I'm sure they had their I, own fair shenanigans. I mean, let's be honest, true. you know, that is true. Yes, that is true too. Right. Yes. It's right. just like you said, the older you get, the easier it is to have higher expectations for that next generation and every lot of people say well what were you doing at that age and I'm like yeah right. I want them to do better you know I've, I've got right. who are in college now and had one of my players mm-hmm. come up at the Clemson tailgate and and some of the people I were with you know were, were just kind of making jokes about you know well what were you doing then and I was like mm-hmm. yes but I feel like it's my job to you know to try to help make it better and it may not be a total difference but any little thing that maybe they can make a few better decisions or a few better choices still having right. a great college career and, and still, you know, being, you know, being what we know as a college kid, but just trying to help them do just a little bit better is all that, you know, all that I'm hoping for, right. um, keeping in perspective, you know, like you said, what, what we were doing at that age and, and trying to still mm-hmm. have that mindset of, you know, they are still 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds that are, you know, still learning all this stuff for the first time. And you can't, you can only, have so many expectations for changing them and making them what you want them right. to be or what you wish you could have been, um, and, you know, in trying to, right. trying to facilitate well, it, and trying to force it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I was telling them as well that they're they're you know, I, I tell, I, I tell them the same things over and over and over again. And I think for a while I, you know, I just stopped fighting that battle every single day. And I just, I thought, you know what? That's not right. I need to, I need to have the energy to, to, to remind them of whatever it is every single day, if it's going to make them better, you know, and so maybe I tell them 1 million times, as long as they hear it, you know, it gets through at least once then, you know, because that's the other thing. I I had a player from Puerto Rico um, several years ago who uh, always made, I laugh because she wore mirrored sunglasses and had this flowered backpack and, rode her bike around campus and just, you know, too cool for school and, and all that. And, you know, I think I, I rode her endlessly about everything, just trying to help her, you know, improve, get better, you know, just be mindful, et cetera. And I, I you know, I remember thinking, I have no idea what's getting through those mirrored sunglasses to save my life. And she had plenty of fun here in her college career and everything. But 
when she graduated, she sent me a card and I think she included a book and she said, you know, they basically said, you'll never know how much, you know, your, your work and your mentorship meant to me, blah, blah, blah. She gave me the book Tuesdays with Maury and she said, you're my Maury. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I, I was like, wow. I mean, I still get goosebumps thinking about it because I had no idea that any of it had gotten yeah. through none. And, you know, I, so I, I think that's the other thing is, you know, you, you can't always wait for a clearly teachable moment because you might not even know what that teachable moment is. So yes. you have to keep, you just have to keep going. You know, it's like you said, I mean, we have to, we want them to be better. So, you know, that, that you're going to hear it 1 million times. And so as, as long as it gets through eventually, then we've done our job. So, you know, and, and who's to say when it does get through? I mean, obviously, I don't know for sure. So, you know, I can't get ever, I can't ever get tired of saying it. So I, I, I do. I love that. And, and yeah, you, it's like you said, you can't say when it gets through and, and, you know, in some cases it, it may never, but when it does, you know, right. it, it is so rewarding to hear, I'm sure. Um, like I said, I, I, I know on, on my side of things, it's been a big part of, of, of my journey and, and looking back and, and like I said, just doing so much of this and, and stuff, it just, it, it was much later for me to figure it out. Um, obviously, um, you know, Mick Potter being my coach and haven't had him on here yet. He just doesn't, he doesn't know when the day's coming, when we're going to have our, have our little podcast and talk about all the things nice. um, back when during what we've, what we've both learned since then. So I'm excited to do that. Right. I want the unedited version of that podcast. No yeah, editing that. whatsoever. I want to hear it beginning to end. I feel like we might need a therapist on that one to kind of talk <laughs> through what, um, what we both, because he said it and he'll probably say it on there. I was probably one of the first players that made him kind of think different about his coaching and, and stuff. And he mm. probably had one of the most stressful gaps just with our team. I know everybody probably says that, mm. but it, it probably has to be, I know he's um, you know, going through a different type of coaching, you know, with having some players leave during the middle of the school year that were some of his best players. Yeah pro and so he's getting a little different right. perspective now but um I am right. so excited to do that with him just because you know it's just so much just so much I've learned and, and seen you know and looking back on my college career and playing for him and, and the impact he right. make and and the things that I you know again I wish I would have known or maybe wish I had been taught or pushed a little bit more or whatever it might be so right definitely right story for another day in a podcast yeah. episode for a, a yeah maybe for, for there'll a be a lot of people moment. waiting to hear that one yeah. I want to peek behind yeah. that curtain for sure yeah, so. I'm, I'm excited to do that one and I gotta I mean that one may require a trip down to Tuscaloosa to do that one in person and, and yeah face and and whatnot so I'm excited nice to but yeah well let's um you know I, that's what happens a lot of time with this is I have a lot of questions but we tend to kind of cover a lot of them just in, in talking and and whatnot um there is kind of two that I always like to make sure I ask everybody and, and then also give you a chance if there's things that we didn't go over and didn't talk about. But one of my favorite parts is always finding out, you know, one of the funnest, funniest stories from a coach, you know, what's something, and some coaches have had, you know, just um, things that they do every year that's always been funny. Some have this, that one moment, whether it was recruiting or coaching or their players, whatever it might be. Um, but what's, you know, just one of the things that stands out is just one of the most um, just fun uh, stories during, you know, during your time that really just stands out that you want to share? You know, it's funny. I, cause I saw that question and I, I, and I was talking to a couple of the kids and, and I, my, my brain is not wired 
that way. I mean, it's amazing how many former players will say, oh, do you remember that time and blah, 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 blah? And I'm like, yeah. no. You know, I mean, I, unfortunately, I remember a lot of the things that for me as a coach were traumatic. Like when I rented, I, I tried to rent, I tried, I got this great deal on a, on a rental van, blah, blah, blah. And then the deal fell through and we ended up having to drive to Tallahassee in a station wagon with oh, wow. all the kids and the clubs and all that. And I just, I remember looking in the rearview mirror and looking at some sour faces and I'm like, Oh my God, it was terrible. You know, so I, and I don't think they probably don't even remember it, you know, but, yeah. uh, but I, I mean, I'd say probably some of the best times that, that we had and, and just most fun. I mean, anytime you're around Peggy Kirkbell, you know, there was something funny or exciting or just random that, that happens. And uh, so we used to have um, a, a co-am, like a fundraiser on the practice round day before the Peggy Kirkbell Invitational. And we'd invite, you know, local people and alums to play and, and they, you know, they pay and, and come and play. And there was a guy that always wanted to pay more because he wanted to play with Mrs. Bell. <laughs> and he, I, I think Mrs. Bell was a pretty good sport about it, but you know, she gave me a little bit of grief and she goes, you make sure he pays plenty because you know, this is going to be five hours of whatever for me, oh, you know, okay. and I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, don't worry. You know, I will. And so, um, so he, he paid it, you know, and, and he'd be in the group with her and a couple, you know, a couple of the college players and, um, so Mrs. It, you, Mrs. Bell was a huge classic car fan. I mean, I don't think she owned a new car in her life. I mean, maybe when she was younger, but you know, it, it certainly had a great lineup of classic cars. Um, you know, as she got older and this guy had a, um, a convertible Cadillac and he was trying to sell it. And I think they were talking during the round about, you know, and, and he goes, well, Pet, you should buy it. And she goes, I can't afford that car. And, you know, of course she can afford the car. But, yeah. you know, she's like, that's ah, too much money. I, I want, you know. So I, by the end of the round, he decides to give her the car. Oh, wow. And so we're like, okay. And she said, well, I don't, you know, how am I going to get it up to, you know, Pine Needles, blah, blah, blah. Because she had driven up from her place in Palm Beach. And then she was going to continue her drive up to Pine Needles for the season. Yeah. And so... So it turns out, I think, so our team, so we were going up there for spring break and I said, well, we'll, we'll drive the car for you and, you know, we'll take the van. So we'll just caravan up there. So my players are in this all white um, Cadillac Beeritz convertible with red interior driving up to, you know, to Pine Needle. So we go up there and we spend spring break and, and we're playing, I don't remember, some, some hole in the middle of the golf course at Pine Needle. And so the girls were playing, I mean, beautiful. It's just a fantastic place to spend any time, you know, obviously oh, yeah. U.S. Oh, open yeah. venue and stuff. And she, um, so we, we're driving literally in the middle of the course. There's no one out there. And we hear this, Aruga, Aruga. here comes Mrs. Bell driving down the middle of the fairway in her, in her Model T Ford. Oh, I mean, just goodness. right down, right down the middle of the fairway. And the girl's like, what? And of course there's no cell phones back then. So there's no you know how they say pictures didn't happen. It happened, but you know, yeah. it was just, you know, and the girls were just stunned by the whole experience of being there and Mrs. Bell. And, you know, there's just, I, there's always something fun or funny or whatever, you know? And, and uh, so between a free car, free Cadillac and, you know, we're driving right down the middle of the fairway. And I just, I, and I think it's my favorite story just because she's one of my very favorite people. I mean, yeah. I remember, you know, when I left Rollins the first two times, the worst phone call I had to make was to call her and tell her I was leaving. And 
So, you know, our joke after that was when I came back in 2000, she goes, I don't want to get another phone call like that. I go, I'm, don't worry, I'm, I'm here to stay now, you know, and so um, anyway, but she was just such a great treasure and such a, you know, a great influence in my life and a great impact on our program. And, you know, so, but I mean, the other, the other cool thing, one other cool story, my former assistant, Michelle Shin, part-time assistant, um, we played at Wake Forest, great girl, hilarious. Um, we were basically out of it in regionals, I think a couple of years ago, we were in, I don't know, sixth or seventh place. And we went to dinner and she did it. She did um, an imitation of everybody on that team. You know, they're all sitting there and she's doing these imitations completely spot on. We were crying, laughing. That's it was just, funny. and it was this really nice restaurant. I'm sure we were way too loud or whatever, but, and then the girls went out and played fantastic the next day. And I just thought, you know, you can have team meetings and go over, you know, where you should hit it on each green and stuff. But sometimes you just got to let go and have some fun and, you know, leave the bad golf behind you and enjoy, you know, be where your feet are. And uh, so, I mean, but that was just, it was, you know, so many things I think that happened to kids in college golf is like you had to be there for it to really be funny, but you know, you just, boy, they're some of the best memories you'll ever have, you know, as a student athlete for sure. So Anyway. Cool. Those, those are awesome. Yeah. I love the Peggy Kirkbell, obviously with, with my ties to the tour. I didn't really get to spend much time around her, you know, through the, the tour and all that, but I've always, yeah. you know, so many great things and, and what she did and, and it's cool to have the oh, yeah. or be, um, you know, represent her and everything. And I see you post a lot about her and stuff and, and certainly, yeah. that, um, you know, whether you knew her or not as a female golfer, you appreciate what she did and, and what she helped do along the way and, and everything. And, and it's just a, a very cool story. And, and being, being around, you know, pine needles and having played so much, you know, and, and hearing so much about her. Um, I can only imagine some, like I said, some of those stories and stuff were just um, oh yeah, very entertaining. Yes. Yep. Awesome. She's great. Awesome. Well, um, you know, we can sit here and talk all day. I can, that's why I did a podcast because as much as I'm, semi known to be a, a very quiet reserved person typically I can talk all day when I start talking so um, right, I'm right. Sure everybody out there listening probably um has you know I can't say heard enough because hopefully they enjoy these and, and enjoy listening and and you know want to hear us continue to talk but we will kind of wrap this up um but like I said I always have the the kind of my closing piece but did want to just give you a chance if there were things I know I sent you the questions and, and don't feel rushed or anything if people want to mm-hmm. cut us off then they they have a, a pause button on their phone they can do that um but if there's anything you know would love to get as much insight from you as possible while we're on here so if there's anything that we mm-hmm. didn't go over that you feel um you want to talk about or share or anything like that um you know would love to hear that i said a lot of times we just get to talking and and hardly even cover some of the actual questions that i have but um, right anything that um that you do want to share that maybe we didn't talk about well i I think you know obviously you've got a, a a great following of recruits and parents and you know the one thing that i try to tell them because so many of them are you know panicked stressed anxious whatever about this whole college search process. And obviously it's the biggest decision of their life. And, you know, what I try to tell them when, when they come to see me is I say, look, the bottom line is this is, this is your decision. This is your journey. It's not anyone else's, you know, and I think we as coaches can impart some really undue pressure on these kids, especially if they're really good player and, you know, the coach really wants to fill that spot for the 2021 or 2022 or whatever class that they have, you know, that there that, that there can, 
you know, there's some pressure on them to accept an offer or whatever. And I always tell people, don't, don't panic and don't, and I, I feel the same way as a coach. I mean, if, well, I, I've got to finish my 2020 class. I haven't found anybody, this girl, okay, I'll give her, I'll just give her some money. You know, yeah. I, I think when you panic, when you rush, it's the same thing in golf. How often is that successful when, you know, you start to panic or, you know, in anything that you do really. And so I, you know, my advice to recruits and parents is look, take your time. You know, if a school really wants you, they'll wait. If they really want you, they'll wait for you to make your decision on your own. This is your time timeline, your time frame. And, you know, just because a, a school has to move on, it doesn't mean they don't like you. It just means, you know, they have a different timeline than you do, but you'll find somebody that it lines up well with. And so I always, I think always have a way of working out the way they should. I honestly believe yeah. that. I mean, you know, I think Hallie Ledbetter would tell you that after two years at Arkansas and then three years here. And, you know, I mean, I think she, I, I think things turned out well for, and I'm not saying, Ar- I mean, Arkansas was part of her journey. It doesn't mean yeah. it was wrong. It's just, you know, that was part of her journey too. So, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's the thing is, is I, I see so many of them that are just nervous. You know, they've had yes. team, you know, they've had people in their same class year that have committed and now they're starting to work. Just relax. You know, everything's going to, be just fun. And I, I think the other thing I would say for coaches, one of the things that I've really the last several years have figured out is it's really important to have a small squad of fellow coaches that you can confide in. I mean, that, you know, that you can talk about whatever you want to talk about and you know, it's not going any further and you can work out issues and problems and, you know, run scenarios by, you know, people and, I really value those friendships more now than I ever have before. Um, You know, I think we can get caught up in the hyper competitive nature of college golf. And I'm sure, especially at that higher division one level, I mean, nobody wants to give anybody a peek behind the curtain that, you know, what they, how they're doing it or whatever. And, you know, but I, I just, I, I have, you know, fellow coaches that are in division two and division one, you know, that I, I know I can text and call them and and just talk over something and they know the same for me. And that's really helped me stay relevant, you know, to a, to an extent. And it's helped me to stay current and it helps me, you know, continue to grow and and get better. Hopefully as a coach is to have people around you that, you know, will challenge you, but will support you and that sort of thing. And, you know, I tell every young coach not to be afraid to kind of figure out who your squad is and, and use it. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like I said, I've got, that was one thing that surprised me about doing this podcast was how many coaches I've had who've told me they've listened in and how much it's helped them. I know your assistant there was a little bit of her telling me to get you on. And I was like, actually, I've already, Uh already have that in my mind and, you know, just using those relationships. And it was something I didn't Uh think, you know, how much I've had coaches. I said, just reach out and say, Hey, I've been listening to your, your podcast and how much it's helped me, you know, especially some of the younger coaches. I, I had some guy, leave a, a review on my, my podcast. It kind of, I can't say bothered me, but um, he, I mean, he had a point, but at the same time, he just made the comment. He's like, this isn't gonna, this isn't about college recruiting. This is telling you how to be a college coach. And I was like, well, that's part of it. Yes. And it's, it wasn't really what I intended for this to have as part of it. But obviously if you're listening into this as a player and a parent, the ones who get it, get why this is advantageous to them as well. But I just didn't. Well, I mean, if you understand how college coaches think and work, I mean, I think that helps the recruiting process a lot. Oh, 100%. And I thought it was just funny. Negative review. 
you know, you can't take right. it personal, but I was like, no, you make a great point because that was the goal in this. It was not to tell you about how to do the recruiting process. It was to give you insight about coaches and, and to help you understand right. how different they can be. And, and, you know, yes, in a way, if you're a college coach, it'll help you, you know, learn how to do things different and how maybe you can, you know, move up from an assistant to head coach and, and, you know, those kinds of things, like, you know, just some of the qualities and characteristics of, you know, what I hope are some great coaches that, well, I know are great coaches that I've had on and hope that others see that as well. Um, mm. and given that insight as well, which is something I never expected this to, to kind of have with it and, and have been right. great that, that has been the case. Um, so, you know, great advice for those, like you said, those coaches out there who, um, you know, I see them struggle with it, with what I do, where I, some of them use me to vent to me because they don't have anything right. to do sometimes, or, you know, just because it's hard to, it's hard to share some of what's going on with your team because you don't want everybody else to know that there is drama or that your team doesn't like you or, you know, right. you start to realize that it's not, you know, it's not the, the fun Instagram world that everybody sees, you know, being so right. butterfly and roses that, you know, a lot of other coaches are struggling with the same things that, that you are, or maybe they're not. And, you can learn from that. How are they handling? Right. How have they got their right. team a little less drama or less, you know, pushback or whatever that might be. So, um, right. Yeah. Definitely love that insight again, both for players, parents, coaches, you know, everybody out there. I think, um, you know, even in the, the junior golf world, it helps to have ones that you can, you know, kind of, uh, again, it's so competitive and you see everybody else, you know, making commitments and, and doing all that. And you get so wrapped up in your own stuff that sometimes being able to, talk about it with other people and, and share it, you start realizing, okay, you know, somebody else is in the same shoes that I am and it just takes a little bit of that pressure off. Right. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Well, um, I've enjoyed having you on. I do have my wrap up question that I ask every coach. Um, you know, we call this tap into college golf and it just, um, really enjoyed hearing everybody's take and where they kind of take and run this. Um, but, Oh, if you're, you know, you're there with a player that you have, whether it's somebody, you know, whether it's a college tournament or you're caddying for somebody and, you know, like talked about some of your players playing in these amateur events, but you're there as their caddy or their coach, whatever it might be. And they've got, you know, a short, you know, little maybe not a tap in something that has a little bit more than just a tap in um, to win the tournament. What, what kind of advice, what, um, you know, I've had some coaches say, well, Hey, that's just so dependent on the player in the situation or others just have some go-to things. So what, you know, what would you do? What's your approach to situations like that when, when you have that player standing there with a big putt to win, um, to win a tournament? You know, what are you going to tell them? Well, I, I mean, if it's a college tournament or whatever, I'd say, look, you know, I get a bonus if we win this championship. <laughs> so if you miss this, you're going to owe me whatever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, that, that's a good way but to I do probably, it. I mean, to be honest, I probably wouldn't say something funny because I want them to just be relaxed and not worry yeah. about, you know, the outcome. And, you know, I'd, I'd probably just tell them, look, I, there's nobody I'd rather have, you know, hitting this putt than you. I believe in you, yeah. you know, and, and, but no, I'd probably try and make them laugh and say something like, you know, this, you know, this is my annual bonus that you're putting for. So, you know, don't leave it short or, yeah. you know, yeah. just something just kind of funny. But I, I think, you know, de depending on who it is, I'd probably leave them, you know, to just, I, I just make sure if they want me to, I just reiterate what the, you know, what the line is that they want. And I just say, all right, let's just knock, knock it in. You've, you've hit this putt a million times before. This is a million and one. So let's go. And, um, but yeah, I think, you know, one of the things, especially under press, like I said, I mean, that dinner the night before, you know, that final round at regionals when that we were just all laughing so much and everything that I just, 
I, I just think those kind of, you know, just bringing a little bit of lightness to it is, is probably helpful because they've put plenty of pressure on themselves over the course of the, you know, especially if it's a final round of a big tournament or whatever. So, you know, to, to keep it light and, and just to, for them to know that you believe in them, I think is the biggest, the, the best message you can give them. So, um, you know, and then just let things happen as, as they will. But yeah, I just, I'd reiterate the fact that, I, yeah, I, that's the person I'd want putting for a championship and, you know, get in there and get it and let's get it done. So I like it. I like it. I said, it's always yeah. been interesting here and everybody where, where a coach takes that and what direction they, they go with it. Um, always enjoy wrapping up every episode with that. Um, so just want to say, you know, again, thanks so much for, for joining me. I've, you know, we've kept in touch and, but never really had a good time to just sit and chat and, and learn a little bit more about your coaching philosophy. And, and obviously I've always heard just such good things, you know, about what you've done there with the program and, and seen it. And it's evident by, you know, your success there and have just a ton of respect for, for what you do and, and how you do things and just um, grateful and, and honored that you join me on this and, and share some of that insight and, you know, said provide it to, to those out there listening, whether it's players, parents, or coaches. Um, so I just, you know, really appreciate it and, and appreciate you being on and, and joining and hope that um, we didn't make it too hard for you and put you on the spot too much. Nope. Nope. That's good. I appreciate the opportunity awesome. to, to chat. And obviously I think, you know, your, your body of work speaks for itself. I mean, you're doing a lot of great things for kids looking for the right, you know, fit for them for their college career. And, uh, you know, you've had a lot of success yourself and yeah, you've got a lot to be proud of with, with everything you're doing. So I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. Well, I appreciate that. And, and definitely always, um, always love the relationships and, in the, the respect, um, with the coaches is what I work, work hard to do. And, and so it's always, um, always an honor to, to hear that and, and have these, have these relationships and, and really try to value them and, and respect them and appreciate them. So Thanks, everybody, for joining on this episode, and we will see you next time on Tap Into College Golf. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Tap Into College Golf. For more information, you can visit www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at bjacksongolf. See you next time.